On this week's episode of the Fantasy Fallout Podcast, Brandon and I will be breaking down all of the action, news, and notes from the Week 9 slate of games, including a historic performance by running back Joe Mixon, as well as an unfortunate UCL injury to Josh Allen. We'll then break down the trade deadline moves in the NFL and their impact so far in fantasy football further, and we'll be going over what could be in store for these players in the future. We'll also break down just why kickers and defenses might deserve a little bit more credit for fantasy managers. And finally, with five weeks left before the fantasy football playoffs, Ren and I will be breaking down our tips and tricks for managers to make it in and what we're doing to prepare for this postseason. All that and more on this week's episode. You are not going to want to miss a moment. Welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Fallout Podcast. And after a week where Brandon was unable to join me because he was on a little trip to the World Series, uh, my beloved co-host is back. Brandon, how are you and how was the World Series? Jake, uh, uh, overall, I'd say I'm doing pretty good. Um, uh, the World Series was was absolutely fantastic. Um Unfortunately, the Phillies wound up losing um, Saturday night. They lost game six. That sealed the deal. But but I attended game three, which was the only home game in which they won. Um, and they won seven to nothing, and they hit five home runs, including a Bryce Harper home run on the first pitch um, and uh, a couple home runs that barely squeaked over the wall. And then Kyle Schwarber hit one, you know, a million miles. Uh, so it was a uh, it was a party in Philadelphia that night, and you know it's a shame that there there weren't more parties to follow. But uh, overall, it was a great season for the Phillies, and uh, you know now now the city can can turn its attention to the Eagles. Um, you know I would say they could turn be. their attention attention towards Election Day, but I think it's much more realistic that the people of Philadelphia and surrounding counties are focusing on. The undefeated Eagles. Absolutely. Uh, I'm pretty sure the Vegas odds for the Eagles to have an undefeated season is about plus a thousand. Is that it? That's about right. Yeah. How many more games do they have to win? Nine. Nine games at plus a thousand. Uh, I mean, not a, not a gambling expert by any means, but you probably are better off. Um, just betting on the Eagles every single week as opposed to betting on them to go undefeated. But that is a, a conversation for another day. But but Jake, do you are you ready to call your shot? Plus a thousand is like a nine percent chance. Uh I'm actually looking at DraftKings. Uh uh they have any team to go 17 and 0, so the Eagles at plus nine hundred. And then any team to go 20 and all plus 2,500. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I, I probably wouldn't recommend betting that, but the Eagles definitely could go undefeated. Um, although this is an interesting, an interesting test coming up. I, I'd say that they're playing uh, an underrated commanders team, uh, but it's on Monday night and the Eagles own the commanders on Monday night. So, uh, I'm not really not really concerned. Uh, Eleven point favorites against the Commanders, they should be able to take care of business. 
Yeah, I, I expect the Eagles to improve to 9-0. And, oh, and speaking of that, perfect segue right into the news. Biggest news out of the NFL, arguably, uh, we'll get into the other biggest news uh, towards the end. Dan Schneider is selling the Washington Commanders. Uh, I think the valuation of the franchise is absolutely enormous. I think it's going to be around $10 billion. Uh, <clears throat> I believe Jeff Bezos, Jay-Z, and maybe Kevin Durant are looking to form an ownership group to buy the franchise. Uh, this is, quite frankly, revolutionary. Uh, you had Dan Schneider, who's basically run this very proud franchise, very respectable franchise in Washington, <laughs> to the ground. Uh, but with new ownership, they could they could become relevant in 50 years, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, they definitely have some catching up to do uh, because of Dan Snyder, but that team does have some okay pieces. Uh, they probably have the right wide receivers and the right defensive line already in place to to be a Super Bowl contender. Those two groups, I think they are are set. Um, so all they have to do is change absolutely everything else about the entire structure of the organization, and then they're there. Um, but I, I also heard that Matthew McConaughey might be part of that ownership group with Bezos and Jay-Z. Um, so looks like it'll be a, a star-studded affair, um, but NFL teams don't come for sale too often, so I guess got to get in when you have the chance. Absolutely, and specifically NFL teams in huge urban hubs like Washington, D.C. don't come to sale too frequently. Sure, I'd like to make an official announcement that um, if I had one Powerball that was drawn yesterday for $1.9 billion, I would have been a part of the commander's ownership group. But um, for for some reason, I did not win the Powerball like I had planned to. So I will not be participating this cycle, but but hopefully uh, by the next by the next time a team comes for sale, I, I will have won the lottery and will be ready to make that investment. Absolutely, uh, I had the same plans. Didn't pan out. Let's move <laughs> on. Uh, Jake, if you bought the Commanders, would you become a Commanders fan? No, that's the right answer. But no, I would. I'm a little worried about Matthew McConaughey. Take the team. Matthew McConaughey is a a very famous Texan. Hard to imagine that he's not a Cowboys fan or a Texans fan. Um, so I'd be very curious to see if he became a Commanders fan. He would, uh, I, I would personally tank the Commanders, give all my good picks and my players to the Eagles, and then immediately sell to buy ownership stake in the Jeffrey Lurie experience. <laughs> love it. Love it, love it, love it. On to the injuries. We have a few season enders, Brandon. Uh, Michael Thomas, he's on IR. I'm pretty sure his season's over. And Rashad Bateman, uh, he had season-ending surgery. So <clears throat> two very disappointing sagas at the end of their seasons. And you can move on. You can cut them. Uh, I There's really not much else. Try and pick up a guy on the waiver wire. We'll talk more about them towards the end of the episode. Uh, Brennan, 
who was more disappointing, Michael Thomas or Rashad Bateman, to you? Um, I think Rashad Bateman, just because I, my expectations for these two players were honestly relatively similar, both you know pretty high variance uh, range of outcomes. Um, but when Michael Thomas was healthy, you know it looked like he was going to be getting a lot of targets. Um, and he's going to remain a red zone threat. Whereas when Rashad Bateman was healthy, he put up some numbers, but it was really as like a deep threat, uh, which is not what I was hoping for. I was hoping for some more volume out of Rashad Bateman. So I would say that that Bateman had a more disappointing season skill-wise, uh, but, but obviously now both are out for the year. Both, have, both were bad draft picks in the end. Right, and lest we forget, I believe on the preseason episode with the wide receivers when I said Amin Ra would finish as a top three, you had Rashad Bateman in your top ten, so not for nothing. Yeah, you know, it's it's just so strange. You know, Lamar Jackson has this big bounce-back season, um, but in the midst of that big season, you know, Mark Andrews is hurt every other week, and Bateman didn't materialize and, you know, Devin Duvernay is too inconsistent to play. You know, it's really a Lamar show. It's a one-man show out there. Yeah. Yeah, it's disappointing. Uh, Romeo Dobbs, he's carted off with an ankle injury. I imagine he's going to go on IR at some point. Uh, Aaron Jones, he had a negative ankle test. It looks like he's going to be good to go for week 10. Uh Elijah Mitchell, he's going to return from IR. Sam Darnold activated. Uh, this one could be important. He might be the starter for the Panthers. Brandon, if Sam Darnold's the starter for the Panthers, can we finally uh, start DJ Moore again? I, I really would like that. I, I think you, you probably can. You know, um, no Robbie Anderson there was always supposed to be a good thing for DJ Moore. Um, so maybe maybe Sam Darnold is the secret sauce and and that gets that offense, you know. I mean they're okay, you know, they scored 21 points this past week, but they're just not okay through the air. They're they're pretty brutal through the air. More importantly, Baker Mayfield seems to be allergic to wide receiver talent. Uh you have the Odell saga. Uh, I Jarvis Landry wasn't particularly great with him, even though he was a pretty good wide receiver uh, through the first four years of his career. Uh, DJ Moore, Baker just doesn't even know he exists, apparently. So really hoping that Baker stays on the bench uh, for any sort of shares I have in DJ Moore. And hopefully he gets his season turned around with Sam Darnold. A uh, little bit of coaching action here. Frank Reich was fired, and he was replaced, Brandon, by Indianapolis Colts former lineman Jeff Saturday. Yeah, Jake, I think that, you know, a lot of people are talking about this news this week. This is great news for me and you, Jake, because if Jeff Saturday – immediately become an NFL head coach with no coaching experience. What does that mean for us? Maybe, you know, I, I don't think we could become an NFL head coach considering neither of us played football in the NFL or, or, or at any level for that matter. 
Um, but maybe we could be college defensive coordinators. Who knows? Who knows? If Why would you want to be a matter. defensive coordinator? I'm just saying, you know, maybe uh, there aren't so many people gunning for those. Uh, but who knows? The sky is the limit for us, Jake. And Jeff Saturday just set the precedent for people with no experience getting very high-profile jobs. So who knows where we end up? Jeff, I'm going to have to wait and see. Uh, I think I think this is an interesting hire. It's not like – Jeff Saturday doesn't have, like, a lot of experience. He coached in high school. Uh, but other than that, he doesn't have coaching experience. He does have an NFL mind. He was a very good offensive lineman for the Indianapolis Colts back in their heyday. But obviously, uh, Jim Irsay sees something in him. Probably the fact that he's not going to win any games and they're going to tank. But who knows? I'm willing to give it a chance. It's going to be fun. Uh, finally, and this is the actual biggest news of this week and probably this season, Josh Allen has a UCL injury. And in case for people who don't know what that is, that's a ligament in your elbow that often gets injured when you're throwing too hard and land on it awkwardly. It's a baseball injury, usually. But it's a pretty major one in the sense that if it's serious enough, your ability to throw things is never going to be the same again. Uh, the timeline on Josh Allen's UCL injury is unknown. He, it could be anywhere from zero weeks. It could be season ending. Uh, I did hear reports that he's not playing against the Vikings. And even before he had the injury against the Jets, he did not look good. He threw two very bad picks. There were no wide receivers in the vicinity. He did not see the defenders, clearly. He threw a third one that should have been picked very similarly to the other two. Jets defense was light lights out, but it's still not an excuse. It's Josh Allen. I, I will say this though. Even after getting hurt, Josh Allen uncorked an 80-yard bomb at the end of that game that hit Gabe Davis right where it needed to. And if Gabe had caught that football, the Bills very well might have won that game. I don't think you're you uncork an 80-yard bomb like that with a super major UCL tear unless Josh has like he's high on adrenaline high on medication can't feel pain at all I, I there's no way I don't know how serious this injury is but I don't think it's going to be like a career ending or maybe even a season-ending injury. We'll just have to wait and see, though. But, Brandon, obviously this is by far the most concerning news of the fantasy football season. What do you make of this? What do you make of the Bills? What, what is this team's identity going to be without Josh Allen moving forward for the foreseeable future? And is there anybody that you can realistically rely on on this roster for fantasy purposes while he's out? Uh, yeah, I mean, the way this is being covered at least so far by the NFL media, I am I am not inclined to be super worried yet. I'm, you know, they're still evaluating him. We don't know um, what's going on exactly. But I think at the moment, I would assume that this is a an injury that he will work through. 
Um, and if there's any superhero in the NFL, it's Josh Allen. So not that that worried yet. You know, if you have Josh Allen, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, but it, I think if you have Stefan Diggs, you know, no matter who the quarterback is in Buffalo, you're fine. Um, I think, you know, guys like Gabe Davis that were like wide receiver two slash flexes are now flex slash bench sort of guys uh, without Josh Allen. But, you know, this is a very well-coached team. I don't really see the offense grinding to a halt without Josh Allen, as good as he is. Um, But, you know, Devin Singletary would likely get a little boost. Um, and, and uh, you know, maybe some of the, the short throw guys like Dawson Knox would get a little bit of a boost as well. Um, but definitely alarming. Um, he didn't look great. The Bills are are definitely overrated. I think they're really good, obviously. They're one of the top three teams in the NFL. But I think the way they were being talked about was like, you know, one of the best teams – in the last decade, you're, and, and I think they're a relatively below average best team in the NFL, if that makes sense. Like, if you looked at all the best teams in the league over the last 10 years or so, um, I think the Bills are, are probably in the bottom half of that group. So, um, you yeah, know, definitely sad about Josh Allen, but, but I'm not too, I'm not going to get worried yet because I think he's going to be able to, to pull through in this one. Yeah. I'm just looking at the updates now. There is optimism that it wasn't a that he's not going to be Tommy John's. That it may not be a UCL sprain. They're not sure. I think they're going to play it cautious, though. I don't think he's playing at least next week. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the the Vegas line for that game is Bills minus. Six. It was Bills minus seven. Seven. I think I think, I think that line is assuming that Josh Allen is playing. Um, yeah, I think it's down to five and a half now. Gotcha. So they're they're baking in some wiggle room there, but but it looks like Vegas is you know something like 50-50 on whether or not Josh Allen is going to play next week. Yeah. Uh definitely something to keep your eye on. Uh, moving on, viewer requests. Uh we have two big ones. Uh, John writes into us uh, asking what the trade values are for the following running backs. He's looking for a wide receiver, Donta Foreman, Najee Harris, and Cordero Patterson. Let's start with Donta first. Donta is interesting. And the reason why is he has, I think, at least RB2 value for the rest of the season. He has his starting job locked up. But... After two good games he had against the Buccaneers and the Falcons, he put up a bit of a dud against the Bengals. Now, he gets the Falcons next week, but I'm concerned that he could be putting up these duds interspersed with excellent weeks throughout the season and that eventually Chubba Hubbard is coming back. As for the trade value, uh, I think you could get away maybe trading for a guy who's been struggling with, who has potential, though. Maybe like a 
Deontay Johnson, Portland Sutton type. Where yeah, that's interesting. I think that's fair. Upsides there. I think DJ the same Moore. can be said for Najee, except Najee's struggles have been more consistent. And even though Najee will get you like 10-something points a week, he's not having these boom type of games like he had last year. But yeah. again, he has a lion's share of his backfield. Um, those, those are interesting guys for sure. I think DJ Moore is an interesting guy to trade Jonathan Foreman for on the same team, obviously. Um, Najee Harris for Harry McLaurin. Najee Harris for Alan Lazard. Najee Harris for Garrett Wilson. That those those sound pretty reasonable to me. You like any of those, Jake? I don't think you're gonna be able to get Garrett Wilson for Najee Harris. I think he's too good at this point. But uh the rest of those sound pretty reasonable. I think the real interesting part of this question is Corderell. Yeah. Um he's he way overperformed pretty... expectations. He looked okay this past week. Um, but it's it's interesting. First game back. Uh, he had a couple of touchdowns, which is obviously great. He got his goal line roll back. Um, I think I want him. You know, that offense produces rushing touchdowns. And if he's in position to get them, uh, I think he is like one of those names where he, he doesn't get enough credit at this point. Years of production, everybody's just always waiting for it to end. But at some point, you just got to accept that Cordero Patterson is going to put up some points. Um, so I would definitely be looking to buy him, I think, is where I'm at with, with him. What about you? Uh, I'm concerned about his age. He, he's in his mid-30s, and that's yeah. ancient for a running back. I mean, at this point, he only has to hold up for another another nine weeks. Um, and he, he has already gotten injured this year. Um, but, like, he's not going to age so much in the next nine weeks, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose this goes into what are what do you think about the Falcons' offense? And I'm not inspired. I think they're winning games in spite of their offense for the most part. But that being said, the Falcons are very run heavy. I think Corderell will get a decent workload. And I think you can get away with trading a higher end wide receiver. Trading for, for a guy like maybe like an Amari Cooper. If the perception is there that he won't, be able to continue the pace that he's at. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, Mario Cooper's wide receiver 12. I think those like lower name value, higher production wide receivers are the right guys to do the Cordell Patterson trade with, like a Christian Kirk, Tyler Boyd, you know, way up there on the overall leaderboard, but not necessarily the names that you're upset about giving up 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think we're aligned. Um, moving on to the next set of questions, Ben writes in asking two separate questions. Who are the streamer quarterbacks in a 10-man league this week that I should be targeting? And who are the tight ends on waivers I can get as a backup? Um, let's address the quarterbacks first. Uh, streamer quarterbacks I'm seeing a lot. Uh, I saw Trevor Lawrence in a league. I saw Aaron Rodgers. I see Aaron Rodgers a lot. Uh, Marcus Mariota's there. Uh, you could potentially get Jared Goff, Daniel Jones. I think I like Trevor Lawrence out of this group. And it's not that Trevor has been great because he hasn't. But the fact remains that Trevor Lawrence, I believe, right now is QB 10. So, and let me verify that because I'm not entirely sure. And Trevor Lawrence is QB I have nine, Trevor Lawrence as the quarterback nine. Yeah, QB nine. So he's not going to throw you, but he's QB nine, which means he's produced enough where he's a lower end quarterback one. So for me, that's the name I'm going to target. Of those remaining guys, Brandon, who are you thinking? Like, if he cannot get, like, a Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I'm looking at at the guys that are available. I'm seeing Derek Carr. I'm seeing Andy Dalton. I'm seeing Jimmy G. And I'm seeing this one last name that I'm interested in, Jacoby Brissett. Uh, He's going against the Dolphins. And the Dolphins' defense has looked really, really poor the last two weeks. First half against the Lions, the Lions scored like every possession. Jared Goff threw for 320 yards and a touchdown. And then last week, Justin Fields put up quite the performance against this Dolphins defense. A lot of that on the ground, but also three touchdowns through the air. And I think Jacoby Brissett is right in that same skill level as Goff and Fields at this point, um, coming off a good week on his own. So I think that is a matchup I am interested in targeting um, uh, in a week with a pretty average group of streamers. Um, but if you can't get yourself to go all the way down to Jacoby, because uh, he is projected for a little lower on ESPN, Jimmy Garoppolo with a full group of weapons seems like a pretty solid option against a Chargers defense that is just okay. A little disappointing, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk Justin Fields for a sec. Uh, I think Justin Fields can be upgraded at this point. Uh, He's not a streamer anymore. I think he's a solid QB1. He's too good at running. Yep, yep, yep. No, I was uh, like, you know, NFL talent at the moment. um, Still up in the air, but for fantasy, definite, definite starter. Yeah, and he's looked encouraging over the past four weeks. The first four weeks, Brandon, you and I could literally have schemed a better offense than the Bears. But these last four weeks, it suddenly seems that they realize that Justin Fields can run the football, and their their offense looks pretty good now. I mean, Justin's like, he's still primarily a one-read quarterback, at this point in his career, but he's getting easier reads 
because teams are starting to fear the fact that he can run and he had a historic running performance last week. So yeah. the Bears have been seeing some success. The Bears have scored 32, 29, and 33 points over the last three weeks. They're like um, the Lions. They're like the Lions and, were in the first three weeks. And now they play the Lions this week. Um, oh, that's going to be play, a fun shootout. They also have a game against the Falcons right after, so it should be a good next couple of weeks for Fields to keep going. But then he has a pretty tough group of defenses after that with the Jets, Packers, Eagles, and Bills. So uh, he'll get a couple of weeks to warm up, and then we'll see if he's legit in those four contests. Yeah. Uh, second part of the question, who the tight ends on waivers I can get up as backup? I think Cole Komet's going to be on there. Let's, I'm going to segue into that. I think you should pick up Cole Komet. I talked about him at the beginning of the preseason, uh, towards the beginning of the fantasy football season. He could get a ton of targets. He could end up being really productive. Guess what? When Justin Fields is throwing the ball more, guess who's getting more targets? This is this this is gonna surprise you, Brent. <laughs> it's our guy. Yeah. It's Cole Komet. Uh last week, Cole Komet had six targets. That is by far the most he has had in a game. He's averaging around three per game. Uh and he was tight end two last week. He was tight end 14 the week before. Uh, which the week before, just for context, he had two receptions for 11 yards and a touchdown. That is well, we're gonna be talking about that in a minute. Uh but if Cole Kimet can start to get more targets like he did against Miami, he's the easy pickup. And I think Detroit, Atlanta, New York Jets is a great stretch of games for that to happen. Start to get that confidence up. Are there any other tight end streamers that you think might be on waivers still that you would want to pick up here? Um, you know, no, not, not really. Um, like if Mike Gusecki is still available, but I, you know, I kind of doubt that he is. Um, uh, if somebody's dropping Kyle Pitts after this week, which is a possibility, um, I would pick him up as well. Um, just because, you know, the upside is there for Pitts versus a streamer in a pretty bad streaming week. Um, if Hayden Hurst is still there on waivers, maybe I'd look at him. Um, but the Bengals are on by, so he'd be a hold until next week. Uh, but there's not a lot to look at at this position. You know, Tyler Higby's had so many bad weeks in a row. He looks like he's fallen off the map. Um, Evan Engram, Jake. Evan Engram, he'll be my nomination. Uh, he's been relatively solid. And they're playing the Chiefs, um, which should be a high-passing volume offense. Um, and the Jags should have to pass to keep up. So, you know, coming off a bad game this past week, Evan Ingram could hit your waivers. Um, but before this past week, he had 16, 11, 9, and 13 points. So I think he is my dreamer of the week. Yep. Right. Uh, moving on here uh, to the 
topics of this week. Let's talk kicker defense for a minute, for a minute Brandon. Uh, most years, fantasy managers will just relatively ignore this position. They'll be streaming. I mean, I'm streaming as well. Don't get me wrong. I, I think it's a great strategy where you get the matchups you want. But if you are a team that's holding on to the defense and you have a top three, top 10 defense, nine of the top 10 defenses are averaging eight points per week by total points. And same thing for kickers. Normally you would stream, but for those, if you're hanging on, nine of the top 10 kickers have been averaging eight plus points per week. Brandon, did you know that in standard scoring formats, that would be equivalent to the running back 22, the wide receiver nine, and the tight end twos production. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Um, this is definitely an interesting year for a kicker and defense. Jake, tell me if you agree with me. I'm looking at the leaderboard for both kicker and defense, and I'm seeing a tier of four teams at the top of the defense list before a pretty significant drop-off, and I'm seeing four kickers leading that group before a pretty significant drop-off. The defenses being the Patriots, Cowboys, Eagles, and Bills, and the kickers being the Ravens kicker Justin Tucker, the Seattle kicker Jason Myers, the Patriots kicker Nick Bulk and the Bucks kicker Ryan suck up. Suck up. Um, and you know, there's some other guys that had their buy that are a little lower on this list. Um, but but those guys uh seem a, a cut above the rest, but I'm not seeing one name that has a big lead, which I feel like in past years has been typical. You know, some Steelers defenses, some Bears defenses, uh Cowboys defense last year. You know, some years Matt Bryant was way ahead. Some years Justin Tucker has been way ahead. Um, But but I'm not seeing any of that this year, Jake, which I think definitely supports the streaming strategy. Um, You know, if you have one of these good big defenses and their bye week comes up and and you don't want to drop them, I have no problem holding on to a defense or two defenses for one week to get you through the bye. But um, if you don't have one of those elite defenses, you know, it seems like this is a great year to be flopping in and out to try to find one that has a good matchup. Yeah, and I believe all of those players, when I was looking at the statistics, all are over 10 points per game, which would put them even higher on this list. They'd still be above the tight end, too. They'd still be above the wide receiver nine, but I think they'd be closer towards the running back 20. Uh, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. And it just shows – first, it just shows how much – it shows that running back – it shows the value of running backs in standard, that they are that in a standard scoring format, that they're kind of lapping their peers. It shows just how inept tight end is. Mark Andrews – think about it, Brandon. Mark Andrews' points per game in standard scoring – is less than the New England Patriots' defense. Wow. Wow. Yeah, no, that's pretty startling. Pretty startling. I, I, if there's ever going to be a year where the movement uh, to get rid of tight end 
picks up, it'll be this year. Um, but you know, I certainly hope everyone sticks to their guns and keeps that keeps the tight end position alive. And then wide receiver nine, uh, also in a standard scoring format, scoring less than these defensive kickers. So these positions matter. Now, getting into uh, kind of our recap on what's happened after the trade deadline. Brandon, you weren't here last week when we were reacting to these trades, but you are here this week where we can react a week after the trades occurred, the games were played. What do you make of this? Uh, let's talk four major trades. Let's talk uh, Jeff Wilson going to the Miami Dolphins as part of that huge trade that sent Bradley Chubb. Oh, no, Jeff Wilson, separate, but they – no, it's kind of related. Okay, so Bradley Chubb goes to the Dolphins. They send away Chase Edmonds. They bring in Jeff Wilson. That's that's the relationship. Let's talk that one. Let's talk to Naheem Hines trade. Let's, of course, talk about the TJ Hawkinson trade, and let's talk about the Chase Claypool trade. What are your thoughts on all of these and the performances of these players the week after? What can we expect here? Yeah, so yeah, Jeff so Wilson – was immediately very involved, um, more so than I expected, for sure. Uh, I was listening to the podcast last week, and, and Andrew Schachter, who, who filled in for me, he was saying that he, you know, he thinks that Jeff Wilson's going to come in and take this job. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't believe him. Um, but, but boy, was he right. Jeff Wilson was the clear leader in touches, and he did a lot with them. Um, and I'd imagine that he will continue to do so. So uh, clearly a top waiver target this week if he is on your waivers. Um, you know, people who had him when Elijah Mitchell got hurt were probably a little disappointed when Christian McCaffrey trade happened. But then when he got traded, you know, maybe they didn't know what to think. But it seems like he's going to be a pretty good guy to own all year. Um and running backs are so hard to find, you know, that that seems like the most impactful. But but tight end is also really hard to find. And TJ Hawkinson looked great, Jake. Um, I I did not watch very much of this particular game, but nine catches for 70 yards, uh, nine targets. You know, that's just so involved. Um, it was a competitive game. It was a game where Dalvin Cook had 17 carries. He doesn't have that many every week. Um, so I'd imagine that that this is a sign of things to come for TJ Hawkinson, and he will be one more tight end that we can be confident in going forward. You know, he's not going to do 18 or 16 PPR points every week, but I'd imagine that he will be far more consistent than he was in Detroit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, I just got some breaking news. Oh. Uh, running back of the Las Vegas Raiders, Josh Jacob, I, I think he just got arrested. Hang, hang oh. on. What is what is what is going on here? Wow, I will uh, I'll check I'll check Twitter. I'll see what what we have to say. I have not heard that news myself. Uh, hang on, I'm checking. Uh, no, Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs has tweeted 
hold on, what's going on, followed by why MFS always playing with my name. Uh, so so he, he likely was not arrested or he is denying that he was arrested. Josh Jacobs has said, I haven't even left the crib today. Tears of joy emoji, tears of joy emoji. So I, I think it's safe to say that, that you were fake news, Jake, because- I, um, I, I was not fake news. So <laughs> I think what happened here is some- Someone named Josh Jacobs may have gotten arrested. Uh, okay, so I'm looking at the timeline now. There was a tweet that Josh Jacobs got arrested. Uh, then it was posted on the NFL subreddit, which I got a notification for. Uh, the tweet then came out with Josh Jacobs being confused about his own arrest. And then uh, and I don't know what's happening now. So uh, someone tweeted that Josh Jacobs got arrested. It apparently went viral enough to the point where people... Yeah, okay. So there was a rumor that Josh Jacobs got arrested for hitting a waitress. Uh, then this spread like wildfire. Josh Jacobs found out about said rumor. He is not arrested. Uh, apparently, he's fine. And this just goes to show you that we can't trust anything anymore, Brandon. I got had. I got had live live on the podcast. Yeah, not a great look. Um, but we survived. We found the facts from a primary source. Um, so we're good. Um, and you can you know rest assured that as long as the Raiders keep getting these giant leads and then blowing them, Josh Jacobs will be able to maintain a healthy level of production outside of AJL cell. Yep, got bamboozled. Uh, that's fun. Where were we? I forgot where we were. Okay, so post-trade deadline. Uh, so, yeah, TJ Hawkinson, Brandon, I, I think he's going to be heavily involved. So I, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, I mean, not much else to say. He got nine targets. That's a lot. Sure, I bet you... Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not sure off the top of my head how many tight ends have a nine target game this year, <laughs> but outside of Kelsey, Andrews, Goddard, Goddard had a nine target game. This I'm not week. sure if EJ Hawkinson had one. Right, hit him of course, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure if there are any others. That's really sad. All right, so we haven't talked about two of these trades, Chase Claypool trade and the Naheem Himes trade. Uh, which one of the two do you think are more like is more likely to be impactful here? For me, I have to lean Chase Claypool. He had six he had six targets already in this game. Uh, even though he hasn't learned much of the system, I think Bears offense is improving and they are going to uh only 
going to get better, hopefully. And as they get better, Chase Claypool is going to get better targets. It's going to get more targets. It's going to be great. Yeah, I think um, I think I'm going to take I'll take the opposite side here. You know, Chase Claypool is certainly relevant, um, but he might. I think he's, I still think that Chase Claypool is more relevant for Justin Fields than he is on his own. Whereas Naheem Hines, now that Josh Allen has this injury, I'd imagine that they want him running less. They always want him to run less. So maybe some checkdowns to Naheem Hines will come into play. Uh, however, this past week, Naheem Hines saw no carries and just one target on a very small number of snaps. So um, things will have to change for him to make an impact. But, but I expect... This coming week, especially with Josh Allen playing through an injury, potentially, that Naheem Hines will be more involved. And I think that he will be a productive player. I, I, I don't think the talent is as crazy as some people think with Hines, but, but I think he's still a solid NFL player. Absolutely. Right. Uh, moving on before we go into our trade targets and our waiver wire, guys. Five weeks left, Brandon. Five weeks until the fantasy football playoffs. How are you preparing? Yeah, just uh, definitely time to start looking at playoff matchups. Um, you know, if there's a defense that has a particularly good playoff schedule, I, I believe we're covering that next week. Uh, you know, now and next week would be a good time to start looking at that. Um, and just trying to get get into player position, you know, actively managing the lineup. Um, but but for the teams where I do have a little bit of a cushion, I am looking to maybe grab some handcuffs at this time of the season, um, and uh, trying to trying to position myself nicely for for the most important weeks of the year. Jake, are, are are you interested in grabbing handcuffs now that we are close to the playoffs? Absolutely. Uh, even going into the preseason, I was okay with handcuffs for my premium players. But now that I'm going into the playoffs, uh, assuming my team is in position to make the playoffs, make a run, I'm absolutely grabbing the handcuffs. I do not want to run the risk of potentially getting to the playoffs or the week before the playoffs, I have an injury, and suddenly I can't play the guy. And suddenly I don't have an option. Uh, at this point, it's more of a necessity than anything else, because when you, you need to have an option to play. Otherwise, what's what's the point? Why are you running out your lineup? Uh, and it might sound a little bit stupid to, ha- to have a handcuff for a guy who's been healthy the whole season, but again, you never know. I, I would, I would absolutely be targeting handcuffs. Of course, you can't have your whole bench be handcuffs either. Otherwise, you're not going to really have any other option except to start the players that are in your starting lineup. You don't, you can't really play for any sort of matchups or anything like that. You would just have to start those players and hope they do well. So I'm not filling my bench with handcuffs. But for my running back position and maybe for a couple of my top wide receivers, I absolutely am considering it. Yep. Um, and I think that, you know, the strategy is definitely if you are in the playoffs, you grab your own players handcuffs. 
And if you are out of the playoffs, then you grab other teams, star yeah, players, handcuffs, um, just to try to steal some of that upside. And maybe, you know, the team that is the last team in the playoffs has Joe Mixon. And you're the first team out of the playoffs. So you grab Samaj P. Ryan. And then um, Joe Mixon goes down. You have the handcuff. They don't have anyone to replace Joe Mixon with, and you are able to steal that last playoff spot. I think that is the the script for you. Um, so if you have like dead spots on your bench, or like let's say you have five good wide receivers already on your team, and you're the first team out of the playoffs, but you have seven wide receivers on your roster, well, maybe it's time to drop those two wide receivers that you will never use. And pick up running backs that you probably will never use. But if something happens to their starters, then maybe you will uh, get the the boost at the position you actually need. I think at this point in the season, you're able to make the assessment on your roster of where you need help if you are going to make a run. Um, I guess for me, I'm looking at matchups. I'm looking at the players that I think are going to have a great three weeks in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, looking at it, Drake London, I think, has a pretty good schedule coming up. Uh, Garrett Wilson has a very good schedule coming up. The Eagles have a really easy schedule. Uh, So I'm looking at players who have easy matchups, week 15 through 17. Uh, and I, if they're on my team, great. I don't need to do anything. But if they're not, and they're, and they're a guy who I think, in addition to these good matchups, could see a decent amount of volume and could obviously do a little bit more, I'm picking him up. Uh, I'm also reviewing the performances of my players and the trends weekly of what they're doing. For the first three weeks, Cortland Sutton was a great play. But these last three weeks, he's borderline unusual. So for me, as I'm preparing for the playoffs, I'm getting over that mindset of just because I drafted Cortland Sutton in X round, it means I have to play him. I I don't have to play him. And I would be hurting myself if I did. So doing, doing little things like that as well help me mentally prepare for the playoffs. So when the time comes, I can make the best decision for my team, regardless of any sort of loyalty, regardless of any sort of success or lack of success I may have had with a player before. Yep. 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 Makes sense. That's what we're doing. Uh, that's what us smart managers are doing. Um, and I think, uh, you know, with, with fantasy trade deadlines rapidly approaching, some have already passed. Um, the trades as the last avenue for, Team improvement here. Jake, is this our last buy low, sell high of the season? Yeah, yeah, the trade deadline's coming up. It's unfortunate we're going to be losing buy low. It was one of my favorite segments, but we have a great one to send people off with. Uh, let's go right. Let's, we normally do the buy lowest first, but I want to go into the sell high guys. So, Brandon, your top guy may have had 
a historic fantasy performance. Let's talk about Joe Mixon here for a second. He, what he did was remarkable. I believe on 22 touches, he got 153 yards, four touchdowns. And then on five targets, he caught four balls for 40 yards and another touchdown. Brandon, Joe Mixon just had, I believe, a top 12 fantasy performance of all time. Why are you selling it? Uh, and the segment is called Sell High. This is the highest you could possibly sell an individual player, basically. And they're only going to a handful of performances better than his history of fantasy football. Um, but Joe Mixon is, had a great week, but he's still a slightly uh, flawed player. You know, up until this week, he's been relatively inefficient. And, uh, and he's a good pass catcher, not a great pass catcher, with, with some inconsistency there. Um, so, you know, it's possible that this is a sign of things to come now that Jamar Chase is injured. But if I had to guess, I'd say he will not score half as many points as he did this week in any other week for the rest of the season. So uh, if you can find somebody who, you know, really likes Joe Mixon, maybe he has Joe Mixon in another league and he wants to get him uh, for his playoff run, maybe he's willing to give you Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley or or Josh Jacobs and a piece, or Travis Etienne and a piece. Um, I, I'd much, much prefer those packages if you can get them. Uh, maybe somebody wants to give you Nick Chubb and something, or Austin, or you can give a little something and get Austin Eckler. Or they offer you, you know, Ramondre Stevenson and Amari Cooper. Uh, for like these are kinds of trades that I would do. Uh, I'd sell high on the guy who had the best week ever, um, because there's just no way it's sustainable, and his, his value on the market is probably higher than it'll ever be. All right. Uh, you have a couple other guys on the same team. You want to go over them quickly before I go into my sell high guys. Sure. Um, I have Juju and Nicole Hardman on my sell high. Both guys had good weeks this past week um, and have been relatively productive recently. Um, but Kadarius Tony is entering the mix next week. Uh, this week he played limited snaps. I'd only imagine it'll, that, that number will grow. And I believe in the talent for Kadarius Tony. And as it is, uh, Nicole and Juju have been relatively inconsistent. So if you can cash those guys in, maybe in a package with another player to upgrade, now is probably an opportune time to do it. And, you know, because Canarius Tony played this week, you might be able to say, look, Tony came in, they weren't even effective. These guys are still, you know, forces you want to have. I'm just trying to upgrade or I'm just trying to find help at another position. Um, that could be a compelling trade case for somebody else, but but I personally am worried about Tony. I am I'm a, I'm a Tony believer, and he's a guy to go and grab if you can, uh, especially in dynasty leagues. But for right now, I'd be selling off these other Chiefs um, while they are having their most productive weeks. Yep. 
for me, I mentioned Cole Komet as a guy to grab off waivers at tight end, but a lot of teams are going to have him rostered too. And he's my top sell high guy. I, I mentioned all the reasons why I think Cole Komet is going to do well. He's going to get more targets. Justin Fields is improving. The Bears' offense looks much better. But I'm also a realist. Uh, the Bears have a very poor history with their offense. Just because they've had three good weeks does not mean that it's going to be sustainable. And Cole Komet has traditionally struggled when the Bears have not done well. Uh, I He's not... He's not struggle-proof like a lot of these other tight ends. And I would mentioned before, Justin Fields is still a one-read quarterback. And as Chase Claypool starts to get more integrated with that offense, he's going to become the primary read more often. And as a result, I think Cole Komet suffers. And while he had a week that I believe put him at the tight end too, you should sell him while he's high. I think you can get a decent return, maybe a maybe – a, tight end that was struggling a little bit earlier in the season that's found this group or maybe a wide receiver. I'm not sure, but I don't exactly expect Cole Komet to continue being tight end two week in and week out. Other guy I have, we talked about Jeff Wilson Jr. a lot. I think you should be selling his backfield mate wherever you can. It's clear that Raheem Mostert is losing the job. And then Michael Carter of the New York Jets, he looked great on Sunday. Don't get me wrong. However, so did James Robinson. And James Robinson is going to take more and more snaps for this offense as the season wears on. And as a result, uh, Michael Carter is going to see less work. So I'll sell Michael Carter while his value is still high. I think he, he I think he's being viewed right now as about an RB2, and I think he can get similar value to some of those other running backs we talked about earlier on in the show, not to Foreman, Najee Harris, Carter out. So I'd sell them all you can. And then going into my bylaws, uh, a guy that I had back for a top three season and who started off scorching has cooled down a little bit. I think Amon Ra is a buy low. Uh, over the past few games, Amon Ra has either been hurt, concussed, or Detroit's just been anemic and they haven't been targeting as much. But with TJ Hawkinson gone, who are the Lions going to throw to? Brandon, Lee Freeman? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I, I agree with you on this one, Jake. Um, you know, with DeAndre Swift playing, but uh, not getting the full snap load, the offense isn't that dynamic. Um, I think him Swift coming back will open things up for Amon Ra. Um, and I think that offense will, will begin to get back on track, which, you know, obviously will help Amon Ra. So uh, I'm definitely on board here with this body low opportunity. Another by I have with Dante Foreman. He did not have a great game. We talked about it a little bit earlier. I think he's I think he's gonna be fine. I think he's gonna produce the rest of the season. And as much as I spoke earlier about him having potential busts, I really don't think that's gonna be the case. I think he's gonna get enough volume, especially given the Carolina quarterback situation where he's not going to bust. And then Drake London, to me, is a very interesting buy low target, especially going into the playoffs and specifically this three-week stretch that he has coming up. Uh, Drake London has coming up on his schedule. Let me load it in. 
He has the Carolina Panthers, the Chicago Bears, the Washington football team, and let's let's throw in Pittsburgh as well. Four weeks stretch before his bye. Then he has New Orleans, he's Baltimore, and he has Arizona. Uh, the only real tough game left, I think, for Drake London is the Baltimore Ravens. He has a pretty soft schedule the rest of the way. And believe it or not, even though he has not been performing well, he's still getting a decent amount of targets in Atlanta. He is getting at least five targets per game in every game except two. So he's getting volume. And with the softer schedule coming up, I think there is no reason why he can't improve as the season goes on and have a second half breakout. Yep. Uh, Jake, do you think that Desmond Vitter uh, will, will start starting games for the Falcons soon? No, I don't. And the reason why is uh, they're still they're still tied for the division lead. Yeah. Yeah, pretty tough break for Desmond Ritter not getting an opportunity to play in his rookie year, it seems like, at least not till much later in the season. Um Bucks, the Bucks play the Seahawks this week. Um and Desmond Ritter might selfishly be rooting for the Bucks uh just to just to give him a chance to get some games in. But it seems like the Falcons aren't going to be bad enough to draft a quarterback early like was originally theorized. So Desmond Ritter could have another shot next year. Uh, but some bylow guys for me, Jake. Tell me if you like these guys. We have Gus Edwards and Mark Andrews from the Ravens. Um, both of these players were injured last week. Both of these players had poor performances the week before because they were hurt. And both of these players have a bye week this week. Um, so if you, you were, if the current owner has Gus Edwards or Mark Andrews, they'd likely have been struggling and they might need somebody to give them points this week as they push for the playoffs. And I like both Gus Edwards and Mark Andrews. I think they're going to continue to be productive when they get back from their injuries, but because these owners are likely in a bind and have seen some bad performances recently, I think they're very, very gettable. Um, and then I also have Keenan Allen on there. I'd imagine Keenan Allen owners are frustrated, but I would imagine also that he will be back soon. Um, so now could be a good time to go and get him uh, before your playoff run, which will also be the Chargers playoff run. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. But the guy in particular I would target is Mark Andrews. We mentioned at the beginning of the show uh, that kickers and defenses, the only tight ends that is outperforming the top kickers and defenses is Travis Kelsey. And really the only tight end that I think can reverse that, and at least add a second name, is Mark Andrews. Uh, now, Mark has had a couple games where he's been a dud. He has had injuries at points throughout the season, but he has the bye to get healthy. Luckily, his injuries aren't major. And once he gets healthy, I think he will return to being a, a clear top two tight end option. Uh, let's end it on waivers. Uh, I think Case Keenum is going to be a pickup 
that we want. Uh, if Josh Allen is hurt, I think he could fill in for a week. Terrace Marshall of the Carolina Panthers, I think, is interesting as well. Clearly, Baker Mayfield and P.J. Walker do not like D.J. Moore for whatever reason. And if one of those two were to start, it seems that Terrace Marshall has been getting a decent amount of targets. I believe he's gotten at least five the past two games. So he's got a solid floor here. And then the guy that I think everybody should be targeting is Josh Palmer of the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, while Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are out with injury, Josh is going to be the guy to target. He has at least eight targets in half of his games. Even, even with uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams out. And, uh, sorry, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams healthy. He got a, he had a few games where he had decent targets. I think that he is a guy who can really emerge in the second half among the uncertainty of the Los Angeles Chargers wide receiver court. Brandon, were you waiver moves? Yeah, I like Jeff Wilson. Obviously, if he's still there, um, we've talked about him plenty this episode. Justin Fields, of course, we've talked about it as well. He's went off. If, if he's available, he'll be a number one waiver priority. Um, but at this point, he's the quarterback seven on the year. I'd imagine that he's taken, but I'm sure in some weeks he's still around. And Greg Dolchich uh, coming off the Broncos bye. He was putting up some numbers beforehand. Tight end is so tough. And when you're a young player like him playing in his first games, you know, the chance that he actually is good after a couple of good performances is, you know, legitimate. Um, you know, it's not just like a random fluke, like with some of these other guys. So Greg Dolchich would add now before it is too late. All right. That, that does it for this episode. Very exciting stuff. Uh, and we will have a breakdown next week of all the Week 10 action, all the excitement. And I'm sure there will be plenty more news for us to evaluate here. So with that, thanks again for listening to Fantasy Fallout Podcast. We will catch you on the next episode. Peace out.